Welcome back to Sister Brunch with me, Fanchon Cox. Sister Brunch is a podcast about Black women and non-binary folks striving and thriving in media, entertainment, and the arts. And we cannot wait to share all of these stories with you over the next few weeks. Our dear co-host, Anya, I know y'all are missing us because we have not been together for a lot of these episodes this season, but she is out being a badass director. We can't wait to share some of the projects that she's working on currently, but uh, she will be back. We will be back together very, very soon. And we appreciate all your loving and well wishes to both of us. Today's guest is Darian Gibson. Darian Michelle Gibson is the executive director of SAG Indie, an educational organization for independent filmmakers. She was the vice president of development for Deaf Pictures before joining SAG Indie in 2002 as festival coordinator. Darian is a graduate of UCLA, where she received her BA in English Literature, and USC, where she earned an MFA from the Peter Stark Producers Program. Since becoming SAG Indie's executive director in 2006, Darian has expanded the organization to reach more festivals and help even more creators on all platforms to bring their projects to fruition. She continues to travel around the world, speaking on panels, mentoring writers and film. And trust me, the homegirl is always traveling. I'm surprised we even found her here in L.A. for this this call. She mentors writers and filmmakers and champions diversity, equity and inclusion in the entertainment industry. We are so glad to have you on, Darian Michelle Gibson. Hello there. That was such a nice introduction. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're thrilled. And we've been talking about this since you and I were on a panel for the Pan-African Film Festival, I think maybe a year or two ago. So we've owed you this guest spot and we couldn't wait to have you on. Yeah, I think I was interviewing you for that one. That's right. That's right. <laughs> now, usually we start with asking the guests to kind of share their trajectory of their career and we will get there. But you have such an unusual name. And uh, and I wanted to know if you want to talk a little bit about how you got this name. Which name in particular? They're all crazy. Definitely Darian, because I would imagine that people might think that you yourself have misspelled your own name and they correct you and say, isn't it Darren or things yeah, like that? Yeah, I get called a lot of things, mostly Darren, Damien, Darius, <laughs> sometimes Adrian, um, okay. Adriana. Like it, it runs the gamut. I get a lot of um, things that say Darren Michael, and I'm like, mm. no, no, not mm. none of that. And I get it. It's a it's a predominantly male name. You know, it's confusing. And I wish I had like an amazing story about like how it came about. But the fact is, I asked my mother so many times, like, how did you come up with Darian? It's such an unusual name. And when she went into the hospital, I was not named Darian. Mm. When she was giving birth to me, I had like, I think I was like Kendall or something. <laughs> I don't, yeah, it, she made the right decision. But when I came out, they when, when they looked at me, they were like, you know what? She's not a Kendall. She's a Darian. Wow. So I'm like, that's amazing. What's a Darian? <laughs> like, <laughs> that seems very nice if I knew like any idea. And she just kept saying, Oh, I don't remember. And I was like, wow, that's really disappointing. And then one day she it hit her and she said, you know, at some point in time, I think in Gary, Indiana, which is where my mom came from, mm. there was a woman who moved into their town named Darian. And I don't think they were particularly 
friends or anything, but she just never forgot the name. Mm. So it resurrected when I came and I'm the youngest of three. But even when I was born, it was spelled differently. Yeah. So it had a very French spelling. So it had to, you know, (laughs) D-A-R-R-I-E-N-N-E. And then at some point they were like, she will never learn to spell her name. So they just cut (laughs) cut off the end of it to make it easier. They didn't have a lot of hopes for my intelligence, clearly. (laughs) Well, I love it because I feel like it speaks to, I have always thought of you and I've been following you, you know, for for a very long time, you and your work and, and always thinking about how do I collaborate? with this woman. And I think of you as a kind of a nonconformist in the industry, because you show up and are invited to the top level of every possible gathering and party, etc. But you are also always in the kind of in the ranks of those who are doing indie film. And you you manage to kind of constantly, you know, navigate those two worlds. And I didn't know about your your background in the producing program. So I always wondered, how did she end up doing this? So now take us back to how you ended up being this badass nonconformist Darian in the world of entertainment. I think that's a pretty highfalutin description for for me, but I'll I'll take it. Why not? Um, You know, it's a weird thing how I ended up here. I always say that I have kind of a different origin story, if you will because I always wanted to be a producer. That's all I've ever wanted to do. And I knew I wanted to do it from the time I was 12. And Mm -hmm. um, I didn't really know what it was called, but I knew I wanted to work with scripts. I wanted to read them. I wanted to put movies together. And that was just it. I decided when I was 12 that that's what I was gonna do. I was gonna go to UCLA. And eventually I was gonna run a studio. That was my ambition. And most of it went according to plan. Went to UCLA. I graduated, you know, I was working in television at a lot, not doing what I wanted, but kind of had my toe in was getting money, which was essential as a new graduate. (laughs) But I wasn't really kind of doing what I wanted to do. And my mother, bless her heart, had a rule in our family that uh, everybody had to have a master's degree if they wanted to sit with the adults at Thanksgiving. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, we were like, wait, you know, my brother and my sister, it made more sense. They're, you know, architecture and Mm. and urban planning. But I was like, "Um, I'm in film. (laughs) Why do I have to do that? And she was like, do you want to eat? And I was like, okay. Oh, Mm. so so I I went to Peter Stark and um, I really I enjoyed it quite a lot. I came out, was immediately uh, hired as a creative exec really love the process of developing films. I mean, like I still to this day just enjoy the puzzle of it. Mm. I am a list person, you know, who are the directors? Who are the actors? Who are the, like, that is my thing. I love Mm. it. And so I spent years doing that at a place where we weren't really making movies. Like we were, we were planning a lot. We were developing a lot. We just (laughs) couldn't quite pull the trigger. Mm. And that was frustrating, but I could live with that. What I was having trouble with There was a thing about development at that time where you kind of actively wished other people's projects would bomb. You know, there was this like Mm, underbelly of mm. sniping and and kind of blackening of the soul. Mm. And um, I wasn't enjoying that. And so I'll give you the medium to short story. I actually got sick. And as the company closed down because they didn't make any movies, I became ill and I couldn't work for a year. 
And it took a while, but I finally like had to have surgery, but I was fine and better. And when I realized that I was essentially going to live because it was definitely questionable to me, I was like, okay, now I got to get a job. Let me go, you know, get back in and get a development job. And then I stopped and went, do I want to get that same job? Mm. And I just thought, you know, a development person's whole job exists to say no. Like your job is Mm. to take every project. Mm. And if there's a reason why you think you might not make it, Mm -hmm. if there's a kind of a "Mm, maybe not, then Mm. you say no. Then you say no. Yeah. And then you operate in fear because if you say yes and what you you thought might be a problem was a problem, then that's your job. Mm. So everybody says no. And I just said, I don't want to go back and be a person who says no. Like, I like these people. I like filmmakers. I like these creatives. I just want to be someone who says yes. You um, over here making me just question my whole life. But you don't. <laughs> but it was like, it was it's a such a good point. It's moment. such a good point. Wow. Yeah. It was a huge moment for me because mm. it lifted my spirits. But there, And there was like a secondary part to that, which was while I was in development, you take all these meetings with people because you have to, and they're always lunches and dinners. And I was so tired of eating with people I didn't like, mm. like I would, who I would never sit with on any mm. other thing, yeah. but I have to like pretend to be nice. And right. you know, that's not right. in my nature to do that very easily. <laughs> so I made myself a promise that I would find a job where I was the person who said yes, and that I would never again eat with a human being who I did not actively want to eat with. It changed my life. It really wow. did. It made my, me a happier, nicer person I because it. I get to just say, people call me and say, I'm having a problem. Can you help me? And my answer is, yes, I'll find a way. If, yeah. if I am not the solution, I will help you find it. This is Sister Brunch with Fanchon Cox. Stay tuned for more of our conversation with our incredible guest, advocate and development executive, Darian Gibson. We're back. Check out more of our conversation with Darian Michelle Gibson. I've always thought of you as working at SAG Indie, but let's talk about how you have created this incredible kind of, I don't know if hybrid's the right word for yourself, where you've worked with them for so long, but it's actually your own company. So talk about how that happened. SAG Indie is my company, or actually SAG Indie is a program. I own a corporation that runs it, but it. everybody assumes we're a department of SAG-AFTRA mm-hmm. and we aren't. We okay. are a separate entity, which is ironic because we, my offices are actually sublet out of SAG-AFTRA. Mm-hmm. So okay. like my email says SAG-AFTRA, yes. the phone number. I'm like, I know, I'm not, <laughs> you're just still... going to see it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so it's a separate company. But our job is to understand SAG-AFTRA in general, and specifically their low-budget contracts. Yes. And then we teach them to filmmakers because everybody on my staff has a film degree. So 
we understand filmmaking mm. yes. and we understand contracts. So we can try to say, okay, we understand what you're trying to get to. Here's your path. Mm. Whereas SAG-AFTRA understands their membership and their contracts and what they want out of it, but they don't know anything about filmmaking. And filmmakers often can't read those contracts with all that legalese and discern what it is that it's trying to tell them. Yes. So that's us. We just say, okay, what it means is don't do this. You can do that. Never do this. You know, and it's very mm. like, we just break it down. I love it. Let's get into a little bit of specifics for the filmmakers, especially independent filmmakers that are listening to this. What is the budget that counts as a SAG indie film or low budget SAG indie? Because they're SAG AFTRA's contracts, they are still SAG AFTRA. We don't like, there's no SAG indie budget. Mm -hmm. We follow whatever SAG AFTRA says as their levels, but the highest you can go and still be considered low budget is $2 million. However, if you claim diversity, yes. um, which is how many people on your in your cast are of any of the protected groups, so that's women, people always forget that, mm -hmm. um, people who are 60 and older, people with alternate abilities, and people of color. Mm -hmm. And then 20% have to be people of color. And it yes. doesn't have to be your leads, but it has to be people who speak and have time. If you do that, you can go up another million dollars, up to $3 million. I love it. Are you able to give us maybe a, a generalized example of case studies where either we could do both if, if you have time and, and you want to kind of the most challenging situation you've been in with a filmmaker and then the exemplar of a, how someone went about making a film? Ooh, you know, the most difficult is almost every film I <laughs> maker I talk to. Yes. Because everything is the same New and everything each, is different. Right, 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 right. <laughs> you know, it's like, I want to make a film. Got it. Here are the components. Um, <laughs> it just is. Like, once you understand what people are trying to accomplish, you just break it down. You know, I always say, if you are a producer, you can produce anything. And then essentially, I'm understanding what they're trying to accomplish. And I'm just helping them find their way to it. Mm. So it's still kind of working that Protosorial mind of mine because I think producers are people who just are born that way. It's the way we see things, mm -hmm. and you can either train it to do films or you can train it to plan weddings or whatever it is. Mm. So my job is to kind of lead people through. So there are times where I get people who say, you know, I'm going to do this. It's a low budget film. Can I shoot half of it in Prague? No, um, <laughs> but it's such a beautiful I, city. Yeah. <laughs> but the low budgets are designed to be in the U.S., so you can't shoot outside mm -hmm. of the country with them. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. for the Good most point. part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they bring people in, and I try to help uh, people who are from other countries come in and understand the process. But every situation is different and crazy, but they work and they come out of it, and they and films are made. So which ones were easy? None of them are easy, <laughs> but some of them are incredibly rewarding. Yes. And you just go, okay, we got, like we had, we made five films the first part of the pandemic in New York, when New York was the only thing still open. We got five films into wow. production and out without yes. shutting down. Yes. And Amazing. we just ran it through because we were like, here are the rules, here are COVID protocols because I sat on committees and I'm like, this is what you're going to do. And we just ran it down and they were able to do it. 
Love it. So we'll repeat this also towards the end and on our website and on the social media links. But I, I guarantee you someone's listening right now, like, how do I do this? Um, can they bombard your email? How do they reach out to you to get this guidance? Well, it's very simple. The website is sagindi.org, um, which is, of course, S-A-G-I-N-D-I-E.org. And uh, that is the first place to go because we have a lot of FAQs. We have the contracts there. We kind of break it down quite a lot. And, and then if you have questions, that's what we're here for. We get a lot of people like, oh, I didn't want to contact you. No, nope. we're there to That's what you you're there for. It really, I just have to put a plug in for it because it is unlike so many, just as you talked about when you deal with a development executive whose job often is to say no, and they're weeding things out all the time. And they're thinking about so many factors that you have no control of. Sag Indy is like, we want your questions. We welcome yeah. every, it's, it is a very welcoming, a nurturing environment. And so do it, <laughs> go, go yeah, reach we out. Because we love it. We love filmmakers and we love projects. So we're, we're willing to help you out. You can email the at the website, which is, I think is info at Sagindi, but that basically goes to my assistant. Or you can call and you'll get her. Anyone who's on my staff can answer basic questions. We can all do it. Awesome. If you really, really want me, then just tell my assistant you're hoping, you know, that you heard me on the radio and you were hoping to be connected and she'll probably forward your email to me. Awesome. Um, but yeah. Oh. And the most important part, it's a free service. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Right. Let's talk about that. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely free. No cost to a filmmaker whatsoever. And you can call one time or a thousand times. You can ask us one question a day. You can call, ask a thousand questions a day or you can call, call a thousand times. We really don't care. We'd rather you get it right. It's so good. It's so good, Darian. All right, let's get into, since the title of our podcast is Sister Brunch, let's talk about what it's like to be a sister in the industry. Right now is like the heyday. Um, mm, although we, mm -hmm. although, you know, as with everything, when we get really happy, you also go, it's a pendulum. So yeah. right now the pendulum is kind of swinging in, you know, black girl magic and I'm all for it, mm -hmm. but it swings back you know, when you least expect it. Mm. When I was at Deaf Pictures, there was a definite kind of decent swing for black filmmakers. A lot of people had deals. Uh, a lot mm. of them had like black women running or their development, if not their company. And it was great. And then the pendulum swung right on back mm -hmm. <laughs> and things stopped being made. And, you know, and the industry changed. So, you know, some of it was everything we expect and some of it was just the way the film business goes and now we're coming back and everybody is kind of on the bandwagon of you know diversity and dei and mm. i i love that but mm. i think it speaks to you were very sweet to say i'm i get to all the upper echelons of things i get to like mid echelon things <laughs> there are plenty i don't get to mm. but I work in an area where I spend half my time kind of talking to publicists and agencies and production companies and filmmakers who have made, you know, 20, 30 films and some amount of streamers. And then I also talk to people who are picking up the camera for the very first time mm. and have no clue what to do. This pendulum swing right now is great, but 
there's so much looking at what should be said and not as much about what should be done. Yes. And it's hard because it's not a clear, like, well, you just have to do this. Mm-hmm. But I, but I'm that person. I'm a brass tax person. You so sure are. I'm like, let's just, if I help five people today, that's five people who are moving forward. And I don't want to, I never want to do a panel where I'm just kind of talking about like, oh, back in the day, you know, mm. I want to do a panels where people have pens and paper and are writing. Yes. That to me is, an, is the kind of panel, like what kind of information do you need? Yeah. How can we give it to you? Hey, it's Fanchon and you're listening to Sister Brunch. We'll be right back. And if you haven't done this already, go ahead and follow us on Twitter at Sister Brunch, on Instagram at Sister Brunch Podcast. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sister Brunch Podcast. Leave us a comment, slide in the DMs, share your news with us. We want to celebrate your hard work with you. So because you spend so much time supporting others, which is amazing, you don't often get to talk a lot about your own projects. What are you doing personally? You know, I, over the last almost 20 years, I've been asked to produce a lot, you know, sure, yeah. just because I, I have information, I have the knowledge, but, um, you know, running Sagindi is a 26 hour a day kind of business. And so I, I have backburnered a lot of it and then you know, sitting here in my house in COVID times, (laughs) you realize I really need to do some other things just to keep me Mm. sane. Yes. And so, yeah, I have a couple of things. One of which is that I optioned a book series and that we're looking to make it into a a TV series with hopefully multiple years. Um, A little bit like a little bit like Bridgerton in the way that they do their films, not, uh, not subject, hmm. but yeah. And so, and I, I'm writing a short that, uh, I think I'm going to produce later on if I can get, you know, three weeks to my, to myself. Listen, get three weeks to not, if I can get, get, take yourself your three weeks and do this. Now yeah. you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have said that because I will be your accountability partner, whether you ask me to or not. And I'll be checking in on you to see how that's, that's going. Fine. Would you take my children? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you, do your children also have to get their master's degrees in order to be invited to the Thanksgiving table? <laughs> I, you know what? I haven't said that. <laughs> However, I'm try, you know, I'm trying to be cool. You're mom, the model, like, you're, but you're the role model for it. So maybe I, they'll get it through osmosis. I mean, you know, like going to college was not a question. I have a, my oldest is a junior in high school. So we're just starting the whole college thing now. Okay. Um, and then my youngest is graduating from eighth grade. So he's about to go into high school. So, you know, going to college, obviously, and I have been very, very careful about trying to ask them, what do you want to do? What do you want to do mm-hmm. every day? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, whatever you would do on your weekends, on your own, is the thing that you should do to get paid. Like, if you love it, yes. find what you love and then try to get paid for that mm-hmm. thing. And so... Yeah, you know, I'm definitely there with my daughter. Like, I'm going, she's like, I think I like 
writing and creative and I'm like but don't you want to do engineering <laughs> and I, I had to like hear yeah, myself yeah. and go writing is a wonderful profession yes <laughs> please get a job too <laughs> well actually I'm really glad you said that because we've gotten braver and braver and with our guests and because we know how important this information is for our listeners and we ask about salary ranges at, at, to the extent that you're comfortable, um, what what is your, and especially knowing that this is your own business, which is just awesome, are you comfortable talking about kind of what you get annually and does that sustain you? As an executive director of a national organization, I think that there is a wide range of salaries uh, depending on the size and scope mm-hmm. of your company. And for me, we're a corporation, so we're not a not-for-profit, but we do operate as a Mm -hmm. not-for-profit because we get a grant in order to do what we do, which is why we don't charge anyone. And but that what that means is that we don't get raises, really. Right. Like we we get cost of living if you live somewhere other than the United States. <laughs> okay. like our cost of living increase is like, oh, you get 2%. We were like, uh, that's not helpful. Yeah. So we don't increase a lot. So I don't get paid a ton. You know, I am low, low six figures. Okay. And I know that other people may be at the upper echelon, I think, of where people are in like executive director for film. They can often be... 400. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I will say that as I've talked to people and I've looked at things or people have approached me about, would you be interested in this job? I realized that there are a lot of people getting paid less than me, Mm -hmm. which is shocking considering I feel like I don't make any money. Right. Um, So, you know, there are people who are doing jobs that I thought would be considered either big jobs or making those jobs for very flashy companies mm-hmm. who are still in that hundred to one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollar range, mm-hmm. 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 Um, which, by most standards, is a is a very fine yeah. amount of money. Yeah, but we well, live by in Hollywood, Los it, yeah, and what others get paid. I yeah. know I'm hard on them on this podcast, but mediocre white men get paid oh. tend to you know get get way way more than that, and oh, especially yeah. those of us kind of in the diversity, equity, and inclusion, accessibility space, um, it's it's frustrating to know that uh, again, even though compared to lots of other positions, it is plenty, but it comparatively to what other other folks do or don't do for the money they get, it can be frustrating. And, you know, my, I think my, my mom was always surprised, like, oh, it's just all so much money. But in, you know, if you're living in a, in a big city, Mm -hmm. then the the expenses are so much more, you know, our kids, our kids went to private parochial school for most of their lives. And now they're going to a private high school. Um, And I look around these high schools when we were touring and these schools are as much as Harvard. Like they are $45,000 a year to go to high school. Yeah. And yep. I yep. look at people who have three, four, five kids and I'm like, how? Oh, LA has rich people. Yeah, right. <laughs> I didn't, I mean, I knew that there were rich people there. I didn't realize <laughs> like, that, like, that kind of, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's yep. rich. 
it's like what Chris Rock says. The guy who lives next door to him is a dentist. I was like, wait, these are just folk. <laughs> they just folk. These folk got they got money. Yes, money. we may be in the wrong wrong uh, profession. Darian, this has been so great. I've had such a great time. I have been begging you to come on this for a year. It's been a <laughs> we shameless, wait. It's a we, shameless campaign. <laughs> we are so glad. And really, this is exactly the kind of information that we want to have out there. The work you do does not get enough kind of fancy press, fancy glamorous press. I want to uplift you and let folks know about the work you do all the time, everywhere we can. So we are glad to have you. And and I do think we need to talk more about the positive things that happen in the industry. And you are such an important part of the positive things that happen. So we're so glad oh, to have thank you. Thank you, that's so sweet. Thank you for listening to Sister Brunch with me, Fanchon Cox. That was our conversation with Darian Gibson. Visit sisterbrunch.com to find out more about Darian and how to support all of her upcoming projects. You can follow us on Instagram at Sister Brunch Podcast. We're also on Twitter at Sister Brunch. And we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sister Brunch Podcast. Have you got questions for our Ask Sister Brunch segment? Then visit sisterbrunch.com, fill out our question form, and we might just read yours and answer it on the air. Also sign up for our monthly newsletter. You'll get job tips, viewing recommendations, and lots more. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes. Your support is so important to us. And also, we want feedback. What are you thinking about the show? Do you have ideas for guests, topics, things that you'd like to hear? Let us know. Our senior producer is Sonata Lee Narciss. Our show producer is Brittany Turner. Our executive producer is Christabel Nsiabwadi. We acknowledge that the land we record our podcast on is the original land of the Tongva people for those of us in Los Angeles. Take care, everybody. Thank you.